The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin another day. Wednesday, Gary, how are you? Doing good, and it's good to see that Republicans in uh, in Congress are following the Red Eye Radio uh, uh, advice here. It's something that we've talked about mm. with the debt for the longest time. I want to play just a little bit of uh, Kevin McCarthy yesterday. It's like having a child, giving them a credit card, and every single time they hit the limit, you just raised it. To now you owe more money on the credit card than you make in an entire year. Because that's what we have as Americans, that we owe more than our entire economy is. So when are you going to change the direction? We've passed the bill. We have the ability to do this. You don't have to worry, because we have a, a bill over on the Senate side that they can pass that it raises the debt ceiling. We can get this job done now. I don't think it's productive for anybody to keep kicking the, down, the, the can down the road. And let me just tell you, for every new American that's so excited, that, that was blessed today by having a new child, by kicking that can down the road, that child got a $94,000 bill today, and they've only been alive one day. That is wrong, and that has got to stop. Speaker McCarthy, um, is an increase to defense veterans and Department of Homeland Security, border security, still a demand for you? Look, all I've said from the very beginning, we need to spend less than we spent this year. Mm-hmm. Is that hard to do? So how do you no. you spend more on other things? Just like thing? every other household. L- l- let me explain it to you, okay? We need to spend less, but what have, we, what have we spent when the Democrats have been in power? They've increased spending, especially in discretionary, by more than 20%. We are spending more than at any other time. Then if you want to look at from a point of GDP, we are now more than 24% of GDP spending when on a 50-year average we're at 21%. So how do you do it? We're going to do it like every single household does it. They're going to make a decision on what's the most important, but they're not going to get, be able to spend so much more. So we're going to make a decision just as Republicans and Democrats together. We're going to find a baseline that we agree to that will be less than what we spent this year, and appropriators are going to sit together and prioritize what's right. Do you think it's right that we would spend and leave money, billions of dollars out there for COVID, 
that we appropriated for two years and they never spent and the pandemic's over? What about bringing that money back? What about helping people get back into the workforce so they pay into Social Security and Medicare? I don't think it's right to take from a hardworking taxpayer and go borrow from China to pay an able-bodied person with no dependents to sit on a couch. And one of the things, and I, I went through a, a number of uh, audio cuts yesterday where he's talking about your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this to our children and grandchildren? He mm-hmm. keep, you know, he's mentioned it, and that's the thing. You know, I, I think they should be stronger. I think I think they should be stronger, but at least the message is there. And to be stronger, it's it is one of the most immoral things that we're doing, putting what we want today on our children, our grandchildren, and our great grandchildren. It is immoral. It's wrong. The Demo- they I think they should be because nobody will argue with that. You can't argue. You know, I'm looking at the CNN poll. Sixty percent say debt ceiling increase should come with uh, with spending cuts. Mm-hmm. And then they focus on only 15% say we shouldn't raise the debt ceiling at all. Well, you got to raise the debt ceiling. You eventually have to raise it. Well, it, that's it's it. it. But, it's, but, it's, it's but a, the fiscal responsibility has to be uh, ever-present. But it's been never-present since, uh, well, uh, seemingly since we've been doing this, really. And the question is, how far we, do we want this to go? We're all paying the price for inflation. Saw an article uh, day before yesterday talking about, well, inflation has finally dropped to 4.9% compared to the 9% this time last year. And I said, nope, you phrased that wrong. 4.9% on top of the 9% this time last year. And what is causing it? The spending Mm -hmm. over and over again. We're paying for it. And then we've got, I don't know, uh, roughly half of the representatives in in Congress. I mean, on the Senate side, the majority, fighting to keep doing the same thing. Doing the same insane thing. And those are the two things that I think you should pound on. It's immoral what we're doing and inflation. Yep. That it's, and I, we, you and I have said it. To no debate. No one has ever argued this point with us ever because you can't. It's one of the most immoral things that the United States does. And that's put what we want today on the backs of our children, our grandchildren, and our Mm great-grandchildren. It is absolutely wrong. It's immoral. And the Democrats want to do more of it. They don't care about future generations. No, they don't. And and by the way, McCarthy did say, goes, look, this is just a start. This does not solve the problem at all. It's just the beginning. And, you know, and we said that's a good thing to, you know, to be promoting. This is just the beginning, but we have to stop this. This is wrong. You have felt the inflation. You know, don't believe Republicans. The Obama, the Obama economists were the ones that warned that this kind of spending is why you've had such hardships for the last couple of years. And you can do that within 30 seconds. When you're talking to the public or the press, stop with the 24% of GDP versus 21% of GDP. That means nothing to anybody. Making the point that the child born today is born into $94,000 of debt is a great point. Is exactly where you need to keep going. The very simple things that 
we keep, you know, you, we've been saying that, that comparison with a teenager for years. You're giving the teenager a credit card. You keep raising the limit. You know, during the Obama years. Yeah, well, just because we raise the limit doesn't mean we're going to go to the limit. Shut up. Yeah, well, Obama knew he was lying when he said that. Of course. He knew he was lying because everybody knows we're going to reach the limit. Yeah, and because if you're if if you're implying that it's quite possible that we won't need to go to that limit, then let's talk about raising the limit altogether. Let's have that actual conversation. You're saying we might we might not need to raise the limit is what you're actually saying. Right. And the fact of the matter is you're lying. He was lying then. And now, you know, this is Corinne uh, uh, Jean-Pierre doing it again today or yesterday. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay our bills, except college debt. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay. We have to pay. We will never default. No, you're right. We won't default. We're not going to default because we're going to keep making the interest payments. Yeah, and the default is a bogus argument to scare people. Yep. It's it's the fear word. We're not not going to default. And the Democrats, why are the Democrats talking about doing something that's unconstitutional? Because when they say default, that means their administration will purposely default when it's against the law to default, and we have the money not to default. Yeah, right. And the and Treasury the, Secretary right. is not going to default. Yeah, she already said she already said that yesterday. We're going to, do, but they keep they keep throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a CNN poll. The majority support raising the debt limit in some fashion. Uh, uh, the debt ceiling uh, in some fashion that cuts across party lines. Most Republicans, seventy nine percent, and Independents, fifty eight percent, say the limit should only be raised if spending cuts are enacted at uh, the same time. Democrats are split. Forty-six percent say raise a debt ceiling no matter what. Forty-five percent raise in alongside spending cuts. Republicans are winning the argument. Yeah. Now, as I said, they're winning the argument before uh, you know we we hit that point where they may have to stop. You know, they may have to make temporary cuts to some programs. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, and this is really interesting when you think about it, there is nobody. You know, this was the article that was written yesterday. The Republicans are out there promoting stuff, and people focus on on uh, McCarthy. There is no spokesperson for the Democratic or for the Democratic Party right now because mm. Biden. You know, he's completely incoherent, and, and Corinne Jean Pierre. Nobody buys with the, what what she's selling. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. So the only one out there, and McCarthy's not doing a bad job in explaining it. I think he could do a better job. Mm-hmm. And the better job is when you get in front of that camera, you say it's immoral what we're doing. $94,000 for every new child born today, that this is the kind of debt we're putting upon them. This is one of the most immoral things that we have ever done, uh, you know, as, you know, uh, that the United States has ever done, putting what we want today on the backs of children that on, that, that are just being born today and aren't even born yet. Mainstream you know, we, media article yesterday. And the, and the headline said it all. The liberal media can't help themselves. McCarthy's cuts will hurt children's programs and Social Security. He's trying to kill children and the the elderly. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you know. This is this is um, this is Paul Ryan all over again. 
Paul Ryan had a 30-year plan, which to conservatives was laughable, and the liberal media, you know, went out there. In fact, the Democrats put put an ad out of a guy that looked a lot like Paul Ryan pushing an elderly person over a cliff. And, you know, these are the fear tactics, but that's the whole word. You know, um, that's the whole, the, the entire uh, focus has been that word, that key word, default. That's the fear word they're using. They want that. To, they want that. They're going to kill children. They're going to kill. They're, they're going to kill the elderly. You might die. The fact of the matter is, look, and and I don't know who they're talking to, by the way. You know, you, you look at it and they already have won over. The left has already on the on the national debt. They already pretty much have everybody or the majority of people in their corner. Nobody rank and file is screaming we must end this. With few exceptions of real fiscal conservatives, conservatives, and we're a very small group now. You're not hearing any noise on this. And over and over again, you and I have been saying, and you know, I think a, a huge turn was made in the 2008-2009 recession. When we started getting calls, well, the banks are getting bailed out. I want mine. Yeah, and that was from Republicans. Right. Um, and, and I believe that the reason you see the polling is because everybody knows what we're doing is wrong. Yeah. There isn't anybody. Every Democrat knows what we're doing is wrong, Mm -hmm. putting the burden. uh, That's why they ignore that part of it. And it's simply, well, if we don't spend this money, then these people will be, well, what about putting the debt on future generations? Right. You notice they never, ever discuss why that is moral to do so. Right. Because when we do it, and we do it every year, and the Democrats keep spending through the roof, they knew that it was going to cause inflation. They didn't care the harm that it would put on the American citizen. So they didn't care. Is there any morality of not having the inflation that we've had over the last couple of years? Right. Is there right. any is there any bad morality? Is right. is is there or more is, is there any morality in that? Mm-hmm. And having the inflation that we have, is there any morality in in the COVID money which wasn't spent keeping it in the government to spend it on something else? I don't think there's any morality there. And is there any morality that anyone can justify of putting what we want today, this incredible, horrible debt and interest that has to be paid off, not by us, we'll all be dead. Mm-hmm. And we're putting it on our children, our uh, grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. Tell me one, Dem- how come Democrats never talk about that, ever? You know, they just need to come out and do the, the, the very simple play. Listen. Green Jean-Pierre and, and the president, all of them could say it. Most of the American people don't care about the national debt. They want us to keep spending. So that's it. <laughs> we win. We win. Yeah. 86690-RED-EYE. When it comes to truck maintenance, sometimes it's the little things that can cause the most trouble, like cabin air filters. When properly serviced, 
Cabin air filters provide a barrier between pollutants and harmful particles outside and your HVAC system. If you don't pay attention to them, however, this small part can turn into big trouble in no time. Breathe easy when you know which warning signs could indicate that your cabin air filters are clogged. A dirty, musty smell throughout the entire cab may indicate your cabin air filters are oversaturated and need to be replaced. Check the condition of your filters if you smell an unusual odor coming from your ventilation system. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I want to play this audio of McCarthy saying the Republicans will never agree to just raise the debt limit itself mm. without mm. conditions. Mm. Here, here is this. Here we go. Mr. Speaker, as you get closer to this deadline, if you still don't have a deal, is there any scenario where you would do a clean up or down Increase on the debt limit. I a clean debt ceiling? No. 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 Let me be clear. No, we're never putting a clean debt ceiling on the floor. You want to know why? And then he goes into what we had played the audio we played before mm-hmm. about the ninety-four thousand, you know, dollars, and just it being irresponsible to do so. That right. we have spent so much money, and we at least have to get to the point of of stopping. You know, we need to get, not that this is going to solve the problem at all. That's why you have to raise the debt limit. But we need to start reversing uh, at least uh, uh, to a point. And the thing is, if you explain it right, all Americans know that what Kevin McCarthy is saying is right. Every Democrat knows Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that what the Democrats are doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. That we have to, we cannot continue on this. And one of the reasons now is because Americans have felt it. The, the, 
the debt is no longer abstract. Everybody has felt it yeah. and have had to change their behavior because of it. How many Americans now have picked up a part-time job in the last year and a half? You know, it's it's interesting because during COVID, you know, the COVID spending accelerated everything. But people knew what the spending was about because many people were getting that direct benefit. Those dollars, quite often if we talk about, you know, over the years on conservative talk radio, you talk about the national debt and spending. And when you talk about things like, well, we're spending too much on the military, we're spending too much on infrastructure, we're spending so much of this was going straight to the, they know they were getting the checks themselves directly. And that's where they made the connection. Now, when they expanded the child tax credit and then gave that back to people on a monthly basis for six months, at the end of that, people said, eh, poll showed and eh, we can't keep doing that. But then it was a few months later, they were saying, yeah, we probably need to do more spending. I mean, it was, but they understand, they know where it's coming from. And it is no longer in the abstract. We're not talking about infrastructure budgets. We're not talking about the military budget. They were getting the money themselves. They know what this was about, and they put two and two together. Now the question is, how much do they care? And you can measure it. You can see it right now. And, you know, it's what they're doing right now in the House, what McCarthy is doing, they're ramping up for 24. They're doing everything they can to appease conservatives and keep that conservative base there. And it's nowhere near enough for us and the ones that watch the debt on a daily basis. It's not enough. But at least we're having the conversation about it. And he said that, by the way. He said that multiple times. in America that knows specifically which room the elephant is in. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, I, I do have to read portions of this. No. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just it's, too, it's great. It's just, it's just too humorous. <laughs> this is a town hall, uh, Kurt Schlichter, the GOP's Festival of Losers. Mm. And, and you know, basically saying, you know, this is about, this is about uh, Trump, DeSantis and winning. Yeah, that's basically what that's that when I when I read the headline, that's in real clear politics. That's what it said. But the article is actually the GOP Festival of Losers. It's like (laughs) the obvious reaction to the bizarre idea that Chris Christie will soon enter the 2024 GOP primaries and then win the general election. Fat chance (laughs) is accurate on every level. The rotund Republican has zero support among the base, having missed his window a decade ago and having gone on to become one of those Republicans whose primary function is to trash other Republicans, a chubby chimp dancing for dimes as the MSNBC organ grinders play. Why is he running? Delusion? Narcissism? Greed? Who knows? Who cares? (laughs) 
We've talked about Nikki Haley before. Remember her? She's still running for vice president or president. I spoke to about 100 conservative women in Washington State the other night and mentioned her. Her support was zero, nada, nil. Yet now the aforementioned Pillsbury Doe candidate and a few other no-hopers are joining her in spending tens of millions to top out at uh, uh, 3%. Add Mike Pence to the footnote uh, force. About 20 years after the last election, where his brand of milk toast weekly standard weakness had any resonance, just this week he decried Republican candidates doing things their voters cared about, like taking on the communist corporations, trying to turn us into a gender-ambiguous wine-woman dictatorship. Real Republicans apparently (laughs) focus on the important things like tax cuts for those same communist corporations and carefully, soberly managing our nation's decline. Penn spices it up by throwing uh, some Jesus into the mix, not the Jesus who grabbed a whip to drive the money changers out of the temple, but the one that guitar-strumming Methodist from Santa Monica dig, the one who never actually challenges the status quo because, oh, well, I never, and that's not who we are, and we're better than that. If we... If we... If if we must have a preacher run things, I vote for John Lithgow and Footloose. He may have tried to keep those kids from dancing, but at least he wasn't a sissy. He wouldn't mutter something out of, well, we can't interfere with the rights of parents. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's great. Oh, and then he just keeps, just keeps, he just, he just keeps going on and on. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just, it was just a, it, it's, uh, it, it was, it was like reading, uh, because he's making he's making legit points and at the same time yeah throwing shots you know every single way and then he goes on to he goes on to you know uh uh sununu mm. uh and, <laughs> and, he, and he's like there's tim scott the favorite of everyone who thinks mike pence is too fiery and aggressive <laughs> <laughs> And then he writes, I like Tim Scott. Heck, I like Mike Pence, too. They would make terrific Sunday school teachers. But it's Saturday night, and it's all right for fighting. Okay, so, I mean, but he just gets into it. It was just, I just like the way that that he wrote it was extremely entertaining. He's taking shot. Look, any of the the candidates would be better than what the Democrats have to offer. Yeah. But it's, he's making a great point as to... (laughs) You've got to be be willing to fight. It's something we've been talking about for years. And and we said it during the Trump years. We said it, you know, we've been, well, we said it long before the Trump years that, you know, <clears throat> John McCain, 2008, you know, the whole fight with me. <clears throat> yeah, but you, you've been crossing the aisle with the Democrats your entire career in the Senate. Yeah, we made fun of that because fight with you for what purpose? Right. And. But I, I, I think Schlichter makes the, the best point right here, which we all know. The enemy hates us. The political enemy hates us and is dead serious about converting its hatred into policy from legalizing crime. Now, is that inaccurate? No, it's not. From so Right. From legalizing cl- crime to weaponizing the government against us, from disenfranchising us at the ballot, ballot box to disarming us in our homes to gagging us on social media and leveraging a regime media to hide the truth and amplify the lies. This is the Cold War where we become serfs if uh, if we don't win. It's not the time for team, use your inside voice. The enemy holds every major institution. If you are worried about collateral damage to those institutions that seek to enslave us or worse, then you don't have the stones to flatten them 
than their current occupants, and that's what we need to do. Mm. And and that's why you look at it, and that's why you have, you know, that's why Trump, of course, is is up there, but that's why DeSantis, and that's really the big, as we've said, that's really the big thing. DeSantis has said, I'm going to take no prisoners, you know, in this thing because of, you know, what the, you know, what the, uh, what the political enemy is is uh, doing right now and yeah there is a train of thought you know there, as you know we've talked about before well is the disney thing a, a weakness but as you go on and you see now you know whether it was um uh you know you know disney and what disney was actually doing and if you explain it right that disney wants you know disney wishes to teach kids that are five six and seven years old that if they're a male, they can be a, a female if they wish to be. Think about that. Mm-hmm. The, and and backing the activist, uh, liberal activist transgender movement also means that you are for child mutilation in a situation where we all know, because this is the insanity of it, the, the pro-liberal transgender activist uh, movement folks they're the ones that are saying you must accept what we believe because we have such a high suicide rate mm-hmm. well then you need to be concerned about that high suicide rate and why that's happening right no you even bringing that up as hatred that's transphobia so i'm concerned uh, about a particular demographic that has a mindset that they wish to force on children that they willingly admit probably has the highest suicide rate of any demographic, and children should be able to make that decision, and Disney is for that. Well, you can pound away all day on that, and you you look at, you know, we see what happened with the whole Bud Light thing. You see now the Dodgers. You saw with the Dodgers. You see uh, uh, Target, mm-hmm. and now Target's like, it's like, what are you, you're not going to learn? Target came out, you know, with their, you know, their children's transgender styles in the, in their pride collection and fox news reporting yesterday that they had to go into an emergency meeting because they didn't want to bud light themselves and based on that and we we said it days ago we said listen they've been here before that company's been here before on the whole bathroom yeah thing. and they they knew they had to go neutral and then uh the report said and and I didn't see any any release from from Target. By the way, it's it's all stuff that comes from reports. But the report said they had to take some of that apparel and move it to different parts of the store in certain in certain markets in certain cities. And it can't can't have a high profile. There can't right. be a sign for it. Right. It cannot be on mannequins. Right. Um. And and so, but the whole point is, the the idiocy of that is. Well, you're doing exactly what is going on with Bud Light now. They're losing on both sides. What you're saying is, okay, we gave the and and the 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 pride selection was at the front of the store and a huge, apparently really huge, so you couldn't miss it. Right. And so they went, uh oh, we can't do this. And this started apparently even last Friday, even before the meeting that they had mm-hmm. to try to figure out what do we can't Bud Light. You just already did it. Because you told the stores, you said, okay, hide it. Right. Have it there, but hide it. Well, now you've got the left ticked off at you. Right. I mean, it's just the idiocy inside of these 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 corporations. But we know what their first instinct was. And their first instinct was, and, and 
Uh, I went into uh, Target yesterday, and um, I had you know I had the the, the card, mm-hmm. and I had like you know, over fifty bucks, and so I went in to spend my last money at Target, mm-hmm. and I actually had gone back and looked at the Pride section. It was way in the back you know, uh, of the, uh, the 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 store, mm-hmm. and you re- you had to look for it. Yeah, you know, it was actually behind other things, but it was it was there. And I know everybody there. I mean, the people at that store. Uh, and and if I get a chance to talk, I mean, I'll probably go in and because I know the manager. If I see the man, I, I may walk in just to see if I can find the manager and tell him, look, I know this isn't your fault or anything else, but this is unacceptable. Do you understand that you're promoting child mutilation? When you get a board, when you get a board on this, and I'll probably write a letter too because I frequented that store. To show you how close I am to some of the people, every year probably five of the people that have worked there long term get banana bread from me. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, man, this is like the Boy Scouts all over again. Yep. You know, it's just and be, uh, because it's you know right around. It was funny because a buddy of mine sent me something last night. My buddy Jerry did, who I'm visiting this weekend, and he said, "Oh man, did you see about Target? I know you're really close to the people there." And it was originally, remember, the whole bathroom thing where it's like, okay, I, I remember telling the manager back then, I'm done. Can't do it. Yep. Well, and, and that's it. Look, it, and it's not the offering. It's the presentation. It's how they wanted to present that to their shoppers. Right. That's what people had a problem with. Agenda just right there in your face. The offering itself. People well, walk by it. If look, if you know, if that's something. That, well, the offering to children is that. That's where. Well, that that's the difference. There, that is. You're right. That that's is the, the difference. difference. That's the, the difference. The, right there. You know, the small outfits and everything else. But you know, quite frankly, that's been going on. There's other stores, uh, large box stores that offer that on a regular basis, even infant clothing. And it goes back to you know the parents of those infants making that choice to buy that. I've seen it. I've seen it on shelves at places like Walmart. They don't present it in the same way, but it's been going on for a long time. When you present it and put it in the face of people as they're walking in the door, that's what's different. That's the big change is that we're going to, as a company, we're going to champion this and we're going to make everybody aware of it. You're going to well, hold on. I'm going to otherwise walk right past it. I'm not shopping for children's clothing. I'm not shopping for the <clears throat> what they how they phrase it in the story. Uh, the the swimsuit tucked in that you can that is tuckable. Yeah, exactly. That's that's well, I. You know something? If this had not been a story, I would have never known. That's my point. Because they, they had, because of the target I go in had it so well hidden we, that you would we, have never known. We went. Uh, we were on a long weekend uh, trip, and I was with uh, some in-laws and my wife, and we went in to get some things where we were staying. And it was a Walmart, and they had something, a couple of items there that someone happened to notice. I didn't notice. I, In fact, I had already checked out. We were kind of all shopping at the same time, and then everybody meet at the front of the store when you're done checking out, right? So we got done, and then, you know, my sister-in-law says, come here and look at this. 
and she had noticed something. It's out there. It's in other stores. The difference is the presentation. I didn't notice it and probably never would have. And that's the difference. If you want to put it up there and then put signs up, as a company, they can choose to do that. Don't be shocked if a couple of weeks later you're in an emergency meeting. And this is this is the problem. But people don't want the agenda. It's, you know, the offering in and of itself, most people wouldn't notice. That's not your problem. The problem is in how you present it. And so when you see that, just as an example of the presidential candidates that we have now, do does the country really want happy? Right. Is it happy that we're looking for, or is it like, look, these are this isn't the kind of people, we're kind people, we're generous people. Well, we are, but at the same time, you can be vicious in attacking evil. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll talk you more, go after it. We'll yeah. talk more about it in the Republican candidates coming up. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. I might want to use a different word than uh, a, a, a certain viciousness, a certain fierceness. Uh, may yeah. I, I think is a is 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 a better word is what uh, I think a lot of people are looking when it comes to going after you know where this the, where the direction of this country is going. There is going to be a need for certain fierceness in Republicans and in any Republican president to take on what has been going on yep. and in yep. a campaign to go after uh, what has happened in the the the, the FBI. What's happening? With critical race theory, what's happening with the the you know uh, with uh, the the economy and uh, and and inflation, uh, and you the, see that in people like Byron Donalds. That's why we yes. we see that yeah. they 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 don't stand down. They they don't shy away from any debate at all. They lean straight right. into it. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HowsProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Download our app today. Listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight, we just uh, we had uh, read a column earlier from Town Hall, uh, Kurt Schlichter. I'd seen it on RealClearPolitics.com, and it was just quite humorous. I mean, he was taking his shots. It, the 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 basis of the article was it's Trump or DeSantis, uh, Trump DeSantis and winning is all that matters, mm-hmm. and and it's like all the other candidates don't matter, right. they really don't matter. And and he was and he actually made some great points, and he was you know talking about the fact that you know and and you saw it yesterday, 
yesterday, you know, for example, on Tim Scott. I think he made some great points when he said, you know, uh, uh, Tim Scott, as the, uh, you know, the, as the Wall Street Journal put, uh, the optimism candidate. You know, optimism. And if you saw it, United States is great and there's great opportunity, everything else. That may have worked at some time, but it actually is not focusing in on what I believe most Americans that are looking at what is failing and and looking at things as we do, for example, constitutionally, when you when you look at what happened at at Twitter and Facebook, when you see what happened with the Hunter Biden laptop, when you realize that the government is full of rot, it isn't a time for great optimism. Now, personal optimism, yeah, I have it. Mm-hmm. But if you're if I'm talking, you know, going through life and 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 business and stuff that I do and the people that I relate to, yeah, it's I'm I'm still extremely optimistic and I'm optimistic as as to where the country can go. But I also know there's a lot of stink. There's a lot of rot inside the federal government and it has to change. And you don't change it by pretending or not pretending, but just focusing on the country has great potential. We know that there right, has yeah. to be a certain uh, fierceness that any candidate has. And if you look at Trump and DeSantis, they both have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they're on a mission to do something. It's not just about, you know, winning. It's about I, this agenda. Now, some may say with Trump, okay. Uh, what did I see yesterday? Uh, it had to be, uh, I, I guess, from one of the other candidates, but it was on social media or support of another candidate. And it did show, it says, here's Trump endorsing Romney in 2018. Mm. Mm. And it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> but that yeah. is something by doing that is like, okay, Romney's really isn't serious about going after the right. So if you're endorsing him, should be going after the right, going after the left. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, Romney is serious about going after the right. <laughs> no, he's actually going to say no. He is. He's very serious about going after the right. But when you see everything from critical race theory, how that has infested the schools, which is racism. Yep. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. What they're promoting is racism. You judge people by groups and not individuals, and and we see it across the board. And there really is no argument to that. You know, you will have the you know what we what we have is that judging people by groups is now the new anti-racism. Yeah. And if you say, no, I believe you should judge a person as an individual and as an, uh, as an autonomous uh, being, well, then, well, that's racist. What do you mean? Individuality is a racist? Oh, my individuality? How dare you throw that out well, there? Well, I mean, years ago, we, we started talking about, you know, and, and it first raised eyebrows with us when universities were saying, well, we want to separate students on campus by their color that's segregation i know <laughs> the whole safe space was segregation yes and it, and as we said the whole marginalized communities remember yeah. <laughs> and we said wow the left is marginalizing themselves <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> we're marginalized over here right right oh, really you, you that, that's how you that's how you refer to yourself as has marginalized, you're marginalizing yourself. I mean, the you know that that type of segre- uh, segregation, which started with safe places, is racism. Right. The whole concept is for everyone to be together and 
you you search out people as we all do not not because of physical characteristics but like character and mindset well and and you know the the agenda wanted to also have the conversation a very short conversation about limiting the patrol units in black neighborhoods to black officers only now that didn't last long so what they did they said oh that's not going to work oh we know what we'll do no if you're serving as a police officer and you are black you're not actually black you're blue right we'll just say it and change your skin color we'll change you mm-hmm. we'll just label black officers tell us where the racism is again please somebody tell us how did you see we can we make it to it a little bit later on where AOC was challenging let's talk about the histories of the party and Cruz just pounded her oh, oh, on yeah. the Democratic Party yeah. and the history of Jim Crow laws and slavery. Right. And it was like, she knows nothing. She knows I mean, absolutely that, nothing. That was a horrible thing for her to say, okay, let's talk about the history of the, the, the parties. And I think Cruz was Cruz was probably salivating at that oh, point. My going, gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding me? This has to be a fake. This can't this has to be a fake. Uh, AOC is this is this AOC AI or something because it can't well, be <laughs> well that's it or, you know it was it was like the uh what we were talking about with the the uber corporate DEI approach now let's have a conversation about the hardships of the Karens of the world because yeah, because everybody eventually has to be right if you're going to be inclusive yeah. you have to talk to vic- about the victimization of the white women that are Karens yeah I mean, this is, they keep running into their own walls that they built. I know. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, <laughs> and, and, and that and, is the ultimate in the liberal circular firing squad, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> All right. Let's, we, I mean, we've gone full circle from a victim. Oh, then everybody's, and this is the whole thing. Everybody eventually becomes a victim. And at Uber, the, <laughs> the Karens that are white women, are now the victims, and we need to understand the white women Karens. I mean, that was that was well, one of the funniest things I've. It, it's it's like we're watching wrestling from back in the day, and they <laughs> they do a oh yeah, we're gonna get in the ring, and you're and and you've got every all the you know all the good guys and bad guys in the ring together, and then at the end, two good guys are left, and they're the ones fighting each other. You know, it's it's this. It, it reminds me if you put all the liberals in there, they're all fighting. You know, their their causes, and then they turn around. All of a sudden, they're fighting each other and themselves. I mean, they keep running into the walls that they put up. Well, no, the uh, liberalism is just like professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's fake. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I, re- I was the ideas. governor of Minnesota. I remember. I moved out to Venezuela. There's a reason, and the the problem is is that everything that and we we all, we said it long ago. And you may have been one of the first that I heard say it, and that is, well, who who's the racist? Why is it? Why is it that they're always blaming people? Why is it the first thing in their mind is always? bigotry uh racism and everything you're else. a racist you're a right. racist you're a racist it, right because it's how they think right because you know we always get caught up in you know basically how we think uh and all right this is but if you try and step into the mind or at least recognize these are the thought patterns this is how this is how they think and it's been going on for a long long time 
They do obsess about racism over and, and over and over right. again. Uh, you saw uh, the uh, permanent governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, was on, I think it was MSNBC, and they asked her, what state is, do you believe is ripe now for the ch- for the change that you br- helped bring right. about in Georgia? After the great success you had in yeah, Georgia. Yeah, 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 right. great success. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's right. No, that's that was key. I, that's how I viewed it. <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. I viewed on the question no, that, and, and, after your great success No, because I, I thought, well, you know she didn't win, or do you? Right. And then, <laughs> and then the she name? said, you know, Mississippi. Mississippi. You know, and and this is the thing that that they they look at that and they say, all right, this is what we want to do. We want to we want to go on and, and push our agenda. And, you know, they're still doing the thing. Um, <laughs> you know, if you oh God, uh, the, the, the NAACP, it, it was a great day yesterday, but go ahead. continue. Yeah, it, the NAACP, yeah. because right. that right. was that story about, you know, the floor warning on Florida, you know, and then, oh. you know, and then they brought they just. At the at the very end, they had to fold in also voting rights and and the whole thing, and, and then it turns out that whole fight in Georgia we knew from the beginning was bogus. Everybody knows it's bogus, and the people the if you want to split it into groups in terms of voters, the group that had the least problem in the voting setup in Georgia, the new voting setup in Georgia, are Black Americans. They they're the ones that that had virtually no problem with a new setup. No, in fact, they had less, according to the polls. According to the the the, the poll, I think University of Atlanta did it. The the post election poll. Yeah. Uh, in fact, blacks were more pleased and more satisfied with the election system than whites were. Right. They I mean, had, it was. I, I think it was they a, said virtually minute, no complaints. Yeah. It was minuscule. In fact, there were zero complaints. Zero complaints. Zero. Yeah. 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 About, so about having about having to vote, and so the reality right. is. And and uh, someone said it, uh, and I think we talked about it uh, the other day. But something we've talked about in our everyday lives, we don't live that way. We no, get along, but politically, if you're in, you know, if you're in the political scene, it is going to be, you know, for them uh, on the left, it is going to be war, and it must be war. And if there's not war, if there's not a problem, if there's not division, we're going to create it. And the thing is, is that in most places, there is not this great division. It's not like it's perfect. I'm not trying to paint this, you know, huge, uh, perfect picture. That's not the case. But for the most part, we get along in society. People cooperate. They go through their day um, and have very few, if any, problems on, in, in, in interacting with each other on a normal basis. This is what the left hates. They don't like the fact that people, this is why they don't like the expansion of wealth. When there is greater buying power for everyone, including minorities, in a good economy. You don't need the government. You don't need the government. You don't need them. You, they're not your hero. You're building everything yourself. And yes, you did build that. And all of that turns into what? More decision-making power for you and your family. Whatever decisions there there are going to be, you have that freedom to make them because of that wealth expansion that you benefit from as well. And those are the things that are very 
you know, I, I, I like, we talked about, you know, having you use the word fierce. I think it, it, it really fierce, is yeah. the, the one that applies because the GOP is going to have to show that they're willing to, the Kurt Schlichter thing, brilliant writing, but demonstrating something that we've been saying, saying for years that the GOP needs to be able to, they, they need to be willing to fight. It's laughable that the, that the GOP is saying, well, what we're going to do now is we're going to find candidates that can that that can win. <laughs> Gee, that well, is genius. Well, I've never heard right, of that. But, but what the 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 fierceness has to be focused. Yeah. Yes. You know, it has to be. That's funny. And, I thought and, of that word and, uh, and earlier. I was saying, yeah, it has to be the, direct the, the every fierce, time. It has to be focused and. The, the thing is, right now, we've we've talked about this, and we've gone point by point. Every single major issue that the Democrats are promoting right now, they're lying about. Yep. So there's a certain fierceness, fierceness when you have everything is a lie. Mm-hmm. There's a certain fierceness that is needed and commitment and not backing down in order to fight that. But you fight it with the fierceness and the focus that every time you bring it something up, you're right on it. You don't get involved in the little, you know, so we talked about Trump the other day with The View. Mm. Stop talking about the host from The View. Nobody cares. That, nobody cares. If, if you're going to direct your fierceness, you direct it as you did in 2015 and 2016. Everything was issue related. And that's, we- that's, why, that's why you have people that are now attracted to DeSantis because they look and go, well, yeah, he's fierce just like Trump in a different way, mm-hmm. but he's actually getting things done and he won't back down. But he's right every time and he doesn't get involved in these little drama battles that nobody cares about right. with Hollywood celebrities. Or it's like when Trump was talking about the royal family. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't want my I don't want a presidential candidate talking about the royal family. Right. It's not of interest to me. It's right. not it's not what we're facing in this country. Don't get involved in that crap. No, if you're talking about, if you want to talk about Great Britain, talk about, well, you know, our allies and, you know, yeah. uh, uh, what he has talked about for years. You're they need right. to pay their, they need you're to pay, pay their way when they're, you know, all of those things that he was yep. spot on about for years. If you want to talk about it, talk about it in the way that you did before. Yeah. 86690 Red Eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the bottom of uh, the hour, hmm, a major newspaper editorial agrees ex- almost exactly with what we said about the FISA court uh, uh, yesterday. So we will, uh, and, and, and secret warrants. Uh, we'll get uh, to that. But uh, just uh, talking about the, the presidential candidates uh, out there for the Republicans with DeSantis uh, today, and we were referring to an article from Town Hall magazine uh, with a uh, Kurt Schlichter, who was talking really about the fact it's it's uh, Trump or DeSantis and winning. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what it was about, that all these other candidates really don't matter because they don't have the thing that you they, – they're not promoting. They may have it, but they're promoting, for example, that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, okay, let's uh, be optimistic. And that's not what's needed right now. What's needed is you can still be an optimist. I love the United States, but we got major problems that need to be fixed now. And when you think about it, when you think, for example, of the – these are the things that I think of that I look back upon and say and, – and understand the political opposition that exists out there. And I look at Black Lives Matter and what happened there. Mm-hmm. And I see all the corporations that folded and the sports leagues that folded and the, the, the liberal uh, wave, the blue wave of intimidation – the tsunami that just swept over this country where, damn it, you better agree with this lie. And if you don't agree with the lie, we'll destroy your life. Liberal transgender activist movement, the same thing. Critical yep. race theory, the same thing. That's the point above, ab- about it. They're all lies, and it's become an integral part of society to lie mm-hmm. and then force people to believe your lie. And if yeah. you don't... You destroy their lives. Well, you need, I mean, there's there's the budget. There's all the stuff we need to talk about, mm. defense, budget, foreign relations, and all that. But that's internally in a country what destroys a country. When you feel it, the, the forces of the government are so powerful that you must celebrate and accept lies. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your life will be destroyed. Yep.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So this is the Wall Street Journal basically stating what we said on yesterday's show. The Durham report recently revealed how the FBI opened its Trump-Russia investigation in 2016 without any actual evidence of collusion. Now a newly unsealed court document reveals that the Bureau conducted thousands of improper searches on American citizens under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The numbers are uh, uh, astounding. The document issued by the secret FISA court says the FBI improperly conducted 278,000 warrantless searches on U.S. citizens. The presiding judge of the FISA court issued his ruling in April of 22, but it was only made public on Friday. It deals with the Section 702 powers that are used to spy on the electronic communications of foreign nationals overseas, but can incidentally include communications with Americans. The searches must reasonably be aimed at gathering foreign intelligence or evidence of a crime. The sheer volume of improper searches confirms the judge's observation that the Bureau's compliance problems have proven persistent and widespread. For example, more than 19,000 donors of a failed but unnamed congressional campaign were searched without sufficient cause. FISA courts were designed to prevent abuses by giving judges a say in the collection of foreign intelligence. But as we've learned, this did not stop the FBI from lying on its FISA application to spy on former Trump aide Carter Page. FISA court oversight also has not stopped the hundreds of thousands of Section 702 noncompliant searches. Judge Contreras said he was encouraged by the FBI's new search procedures, and the FBI says the number of improper searches has dropped considerably considerably since introducing them, but he warned that the problems continue, the court would have to consider other responses. Here's one possibility. Abolish the FISA court. Congress created FISA in late 1970s in response to government's wiretap abuse. At the at the time, uh, legal minds such as Robert Bork and Lawrence Silberman warned that it was a bad idea. Bork wrote on these pages of the Wall Street Journal that the real effect of introducing judges into the foreign intelligence decisions and executive function would have the effect of uh, immunizing everyone from the responsibility of their actions. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, yep. you and I go back yep. to the FISA court. Yeah. We go back to uh, twenty April of 2017 mm-hmm. when the FISA court said all the way back to 2011. That the Obama administration wasn't following the rules. Yeah, John Solomon and Sarah yeah. A. Carter right. actually had the documents uh, from the uh, previous October of October of 2016, when the Obama administration basically went to the FISA court and said, uh, "Yeah, we know that you told us to quit violating citizens' rights, but uh, we didn't do that. Sorry." So we're we, so it was supposed to be straightened out. Then mm-hmm. more abuses happen. No one has been held accountable for any of it at all, none of it. You know, we go back to even earlier, the the NSA Mm -hmm. 
with the domestic wiretapping. Right. You look at all that. Nobody was ever held responsible for any of these things. Americans' rights are by the hundreds of thousands. Right. And they keep uh, repeating. They keep implementing a fix. On the FBI thing, they they went through. Uh, you know, a, a, a number of things where, OK, we're going to we're going to have to change the policy uh, between uh, 2016, I think, and 2019 uh, or 2020. And OK, they went in and they put in a fix and said, we're going to we're going we're gonna to do this differently. Then violated the fix. Two hundred and seventy eight thousand times. Uh Bork wrote on these pages that the real effect of introducing judges into the foreign intelligence decision would mean no one would be held responsible for any actions. Right. That's exactly that's what has problem. happened. Was, exactly. That's what you and I talked about yesterday. Yep. Without FISA courts, FBI agents and supervisors could not use the court's oversight as a political shield. They'd have to answer for their actions to the voters in Congress, which could still do oversight. Yep. The news about FISA abuses is now going to complicate President Biden's request that Congress reauthorize Section 702 before it expires on December 31st. Section 702, when used properly, is a vital intelligence tool in defending against foreign threats such as terrorism, but abuse is diluting public and political support for 702, a process that erodes accountability, is worse than none at all. Well, and, because they found a back door. I mean, you know, the and, and, and that is a solid point. It has been an important tool, especially in the war on terror. But what happens inevitably? Well, but they also use it. Anyone with an agenda uh, can use it as a tool to connect it to American citizens, not because American citizens are becoming terrorists. Well, it depends on who you ask. I guess if you ask the left, if if the, if someone says that they're a patriot then that they're a domestic terrorist. If they go to a, uh, a school board meeting, they're a domestic terrorist. But this is the problem, is that it gave those with an agenda another tool, as a big tool that has clearly been used and abused over the years. Not, not once. No, not, not twice. Right. Not 50 times. Right. Hundreds of thousands of of times. The Obama administration in, in October of 2016, days before the election. Sorry, FISA court, we know you told us to quit violating uh, citizens' rights, uh, and, and you, you told us to do that, and it goes back to 2011, but we didn't, we didn't we, do that. We didn't do that. We never did that. The FBI, oh, well, we got to fix what happened between 2016 and 2020 with this, you know, all these queries, you know. And 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 how that works? We're gonna we're gonna clean that up because that's wrong. As they wave their finger in this disingenuous Bill Clinton way, and then turn around, and we learn from the release from the ODNI last Friday that they violated the fix that they put in. They said we're not going to do that again, and then they did it two hundred and seventy eight thousand times. I don't, you know, I, don't, when, I, don't if, I don't know if how this, if this had happened in the 70s I'm old enough to remember yeah this would have been the number one story oh it would have been the story you know, I mean this you, this you, would have been and, major scandal and maybe it's again my age <laughs> that, 
But I remember that's why when I saw this story on Friday, I said, "Well, this is the biggest story out yeah. there." Oh, yeah. And I went yeah, through yeah. the week. This yeah. story died mm-hmm. as if nobody cares anymore. Right. And it used to be, you know, the left would scream bloody murder over something like this, completely and total, complete and total silence. I haven't heard one Democrat speak on this. Well, we haven't heard any Democrats. I mean, Chuck Todd mentioned it, you know, about the FBI and, you know, the 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 rot and what, you know, but he didn't he didn't attack it the way. No, but it, I mean, this specific story, he was right. talking more about the, the uh, overall. The, the, he was talking about the Durham report. Right, right, yeah, but yeah. but uh, but I'm talking about this. If you ever mm-hmm. had, you know, think about this for true conservatives and old school liberals. Mm-hmm. Civil rights was huge. Mm-hmm. And government warrantless wiretapping, warrantless searches is something that is at the heart of the Constitution. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. at the heart of the Constitution. Well, at one time, it, we were all Rand Paul. Yeah, we were. Yeah, you're on, right. On something yeah, like you're this. Right. Yep, we were. We were. Yep. And and now uh, the, the media makes uh, Rand Paul when he brings something like this up. Uh, Iran Paul or any conservative that that brings this up makes them look like a a kook, and or at the very least they just simply ignore it. I mean, Reuters did a story on it, but it's Reuters. And I, I mean, you know, they're they're not going to get that much uh, domestic attention from the loud voices. There there are no loud voices on this. You said it. We came in Sunday night. The story didn't go anywhere. It, it was it was it a number dropped, one. Yeah, it was dropped a, on Friday. Yeah, it was the number one thing that we brought up. I was like, and this wh- isn't what, a, what is what's going on? Why is this is not a source story? This is from the office of the director right. of national intelligence. They're the ones that released the report on Friday, right? But the report's from the FISA court, right? I know. Right. No, it's it's on the FISA court filing, but the office of the the ODNI released the, what came out on Friday. That's how we learned about it. No, but the report that came out on Friday is about the FISA court's I know response. That. I know that. Right. Right. Which is from April of last year. Right. And so when they when the ODNI released this on Friday, it went this was not a source story at Fox News. No. This was directly from the office of the Director of National Intelligence. And and the public will never find out all of these people were because everything is top secret yep so they've created something where nobody is held accountable for breaking the law right right and no no constantly in in a in warrantless uh, warrantless uh wiretapping searches whatever because we don't know what they we don't know what they did no because it's top secret we can't talk about it right so we never there's, find out. Nobody's ever held accountable. There's the there's the cover you get. There's the cover they get in a system that that is set up now that that inevitably was going to get to this point. It was going to be abused. There was no way it wasn't going to be abused. And it's it really is a shame because in the war on terror, intel is everything. And it's not over. We created a terrorism superstate in Afghanistan. But those in the FBI that allowed this to happen don't give a damn about terrorism. No, because no. if you truly give a damn about terrorism, 
then you don't misuse the FISA court. Well, this is it. You how do- many how many directors right. do we have to go through and and show you their and not just directors but top uh, uh, level agents, uh, people like Peter Strzok, uh, uh, McCabe, uh, you know Mueller in his day, Comey, all of these individuals. And and we talked about this when Comey was testifying. We said he does not talk like law enforcement. He does not use the words. He doesn't speak that language. They have their own language. And you can, when they're talking, when an agent is talking, when someone from law enforcement and has that kind of experience is talking, you hear those words and, and they're speaking that law enforcement language. He talks like a politician. He talks like somebody with an agenda because he has an agenda. And because you know, if you're in law enforcement and you, and you understand that, you know, the true terrorist threat out there, you honor yeah. the FISA process. Absolutely. Why? Because you don't want to lose you it. You don't want to lose it. You, you know don't how important right. it is to, to, to preserve. And so they didn't give a damn about. No. Think about this. The top echelon that approves and is involved in the FISA process in the FBI did not give a damn about terrorism. They all they cared about was can we use this for some political purpose? Right. Oh, they have a greater loyalty. Yep. Yeah. Comey has a greater loyalty to his agenda. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, the uh, the fight of public uh, pensions, yeah, uh, not yeah. to have their money be invested in uh, climate change, yeah, crap, right. right? That pension funds should not be in the business of losing money, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. We we'll get you know, and th- these are New York City uh, em- employees, and this is a New York City pension fund. Do you remember? We were working together. Hmm. Remember, was it uh, ExxonMobil that had their meeting one time? Yeah, in Dallas, mm-hmm. and and uh, it was where some of the uh, activist investors, act activist investors, were talking about you know the climate change stuff, and it was the the unions. They found out that the public unions of New York had a ton of money hmm. uh, invested in you know. Exxon Mobil, yeah, and they were the ones that defeated that, and we're like, wow, it's New York City public unions that are all liberal that said no. The goal is to ensure that we maximize the potential so we can remain solvent as a pension program, so our retirees can retire. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so again, That's the idea, the big liberal circular firing squad there too. So we will, we will get to uh, that uh, uh, coming up. Target, DeSantis, that Hunter College professor who was fired after vandalizing a pro-life display Mm. then threatening that New York Post reporter. Yeah. Wow. That's the politics of rage that exists out there on the left. Yep.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. I like this story here. A number of major coal operators in the Commonwealth of Kentucky made a surprising political move on Tuesday, announcing their endorsements of incumbent Democrat uh, Governor uh, Andy Beshear for re-election over his Republican challenger. The endorsements included the United Mine Workers of America and multiple leaders of Kentucky's coal industry come amid what many have described as the Biden administration's war on coal and the Democratic Party's rush towards green energy. Bashir appears to be bucking the trend, similar to one of his fellow Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, another coal-friendly state. (laughs) (laughs) Idiots. Absolute idiots. I mean, we we, we go back. We talked about it uh, in uh, 2008. West Virginia Coal Miners Union endorsing Obama, who by that time had already said, under my plan of cap and trade, electricity rock, uh, electricity rates will necessarily skyrocket. And he mentioned coal in said, the following sentence how he was going to bankrupt, bankrupt the them. coal company. And the West well, Virginia Coal Miners Union uh, in, endorsed him in 2008. Then they didn't endorse anybody in 2012. Right. It's now, like, to be fair, Romney was the nominee. And if Bashir says it doesn't matter, it's the party that he's in. Yep. Even if he, like Manchin, is saying, well, we, we need to save the coal industry. Uh, while his party is while, shutting it while down. While his party's shutting it down, you're not getting anywhere by nope. doing that. Right. It's absolutely foolish. Right. Uh, but, again, this is we – deal, we, we deal all the time um, on the left – with people that are voting to help destroy themselves. I mean, look look at right now. Look, look when, when you see defund the police. Mm-hmm. You go through the Democrats who vote. I mean, I'm talking about Democratic voters. They don't want to defund the police. No. I mean, they're part of the abstract. Police are all racist mm-hmm. except ours. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's the what I call the congressional mindset. Congress sucks, except for my congressperson. Mm, yes. But the Democrats are still talking about defunding the police. Gerald Nadler was proudly saying, well, it's going into mental health and the situation in New York City is awesome. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, New York New York City is safe. And, and that, but over and over again... We beg, we not only make the choice, we beg to be destroyed. It's the Kevin Bacon syndrome. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yep. From Animal House. Hey, I'm not quite done yet. 
Could you keep crushing me, please? Hey, you don't have your boot properly on my neck. Could you press a little harder? I mean, seriously, that's not just giving up. That's begging to be destroyed. Then this story from the other day, college graduation commencement speakers, overwhelmingly liberal, duh, segregated ceremonies on the rise. (laughs) Yeah. Because the new anti-racism is racism. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just... (laughs) You know, it's... Of... It's everywhere. They they did a poll out of 100 schools surveyed, 100 colleges surveyed uh, by the Young Americans for Freedom survey. Uh, an overwhelming 60 liberal speakers were identified, while only one conservative voice made its way to the podium. Hmm. Well, yeah, but Liberty University doesn't count, or Hillsdale doesn't count. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, they report that there were 88 out of the, excuse me, 86 out of those 100 schools they surveyed organized segregated ceremonies for the class of 2023. Told you. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. And th- and this is why when we talked about Republican candidates and talking about Kurt Schlichter's uh, 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 column in the town hall, which said it's, you know, basically it's it's got to be. Trump or DeSantis and winning is the only game yeah. uh, because yeah. the rest of the candidates out there basically are milk toast. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, let's be positive. Let No, that's not what's needed right now. What's needed is a fierceness to go after your political enemy that lies on every single issue and on the majority of the issues are racist, as we know here, are, are racist with the liberal transgender activist movement, mm-hmm. misogynist and sexist. Fiscally irresponsible to the point of destroying the country, putting wanting to put much more debt and skyrocket inflation by spending much more money. And it's like you, there's a certain fierceness that is needed. There's a certain fierceness that's needed to fight racism of the Democrats yep. yeah. and of liberalism today. And so, but uh, there it is right there. I mean, mm. it's and that's the problem. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere in our institutions today. You know, you look at it. The rot exists in college campuses, major law enforcement, and the Democratic Party, which is, you know, again, uh, one of the two major parties in the United States. Mm-hmm. Remember and when... Uh, it's, when- and it's institutionalized. Remember so. when Obama gave the commencement speech, or forget where it was, and he basically was saying... <laughs> Listen, don't leave here and, and you know, spend your life on a computer, you know, spend all your time on a computer. Basically, what he was saying, we broke it down and it's very clear to us. Listen, we properly indoctrinated you. Don't go getting smart on us. <laughs> Stay away from that Googles, would you? Don't don't research things. We've, we've indoctr- don't, don't you dare think for yourself. We've indoctrinated you now. Exactly. Don't undo all that. 
That's like working out and then going through the drive through at McDonald's. You don't want to do that. You've got your college degree, and just like the movie They Live, obey. Yeah, exactly. That was on the other day. Was it? I, mean, I haven't I, seen oh, I haven't seen that wow. in so long. I had to stop and and I mean I caught it in the middle of it, but I don't know what it is about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm changing the words a little bit. Mm-hmm. I came here to chew bubble gum and kick some butt. Yeah, and I'm all out, out of, of bubble, bubble gum. gum. <laughs> Greatest Rowdy. line that that line has lived on for forever. Rowdy, right? Well, Piper. since the you know since yeah. it yeah it would and what was great about it too the movie had a a really cool cheesy sci fi feel, which is it it had a it 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 fit it was perfect. But you know something it had a B movie feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a B movie. Yeah, yeah. But but it had a B movie. It was almost as that the B movie field or feel excuse me was deliberate. No, like I think it that, had you, the movie would not be the same unless it felt like an independent production or a kind of B movie. If you look at sci-fi. the uh, the John Wick movies, we all kind of laugh at how many shots are fired in one. Uh, I mean, they started from the first one. You know how many how many shots were fired in that movie during that movie? How many people did he take out in that movie? And it's the over-the-top approach of the movie, which is kind of like the approach in a B-movie, that actually people are attracted to. That makes it one of those escapism movies. Uh, the other day, they just they celebrated that the franchise itself, collectively, has made over a billion. All four combined. Wow. Well, you know, it reminded me because I, I I often thought when you just said that that in in uh, in They Live the fight scene between Piper and uh, uh, the actor Keith David. Oh yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. in the alleyway. Yeah. That was supposed to last twenty seconds. Yeah. That thing to and they just said they they just decided to you know it was you know faking the hits to the face yeah. and yeah. and gro- and groin as they as they said <laughs> but. Everything else in it was really real. Mm. They decided to let it go, and that went on for a. Remember that fight was like, when is this thing going to end? <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, to me, that had a that had a John Wick feel to yeah, it. It's exactly. Like, okay, this yeah. just over the top. Right, right. But yeah, I just I saw that the other day. So every time, every time I think about what's going on, the brainwashing and liberalism. I don't know why, but they live always comes to mind, and all yeah. the signs. Right. Obey. Right. Especially obey. That's the well, one. That you remember oh, that one more you, than ever now. Yeah, you put yeah. on that those sunglasses and you just see mm-hmm. obey, mm-hmm. obey without question. We'll yeah. lie to right. you right. and just obey. Yeah, I do like it though when he's in the store and the one woman's there and he's like got the glasses and you know you can see her real alien face. Mm-hmm. You are one ugly sob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, what a great movie. It's and uh you know, you don't have to have special glasses to see right through the liberal no. agenda. And and no, you don't. over and over again they, they, they prove, you know, exactly what they want. And, uh, look, uh, uh to the point that it started with you need to let us have our moment, you need to let us have our parade. Then it was you need to march in the parade. Then it was 
wait a minute, you're not saying anything, silence is violence, and now it's, oh, wait a minute, you can't be in our parade. This is our parade. <laughs> Separate the parade now into 10 different groups. Right. <laughs> you need to celebrate it all, but you can't and, be in it. <laughs> but don't go anywhere. <laughs> don't think you can just walk away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's today's I, I just, left. you know, things are so insane they have to change because it's just the the one thing that I that liberalism hasn't figured out yet is our constitution is pretty solid and there's a core of half the country that might have been intimidated, but you know, with especially the Black Lives because I think the Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. critical race theory, and the liberal transgender activist movement was the three big lies over the last six or seven years that have been perpetuated upon the American people that they felt like they were just intimidated. They felt like they couldn't say anything. And now now the fight back has started. And it's going to be a long, hard fight because they're not going to give up. Yeah, you know, you, is, because yeah. the politics of rage, and you see that, you know, the New York City professor mm-hmm. and the insanity, you know, of her at the, the, the pro-life table. Mm-hmm. And then when a New York Post reporter went to her... Uh, uh, door and now she was fired was she arrested i yeah. don't know i was wondering that myself i haven't seen whether or not she was but she was fired I came out of the door with a machete which yeah you know, with the new york post which was just the most weird bizarre thing. I mean, my god who that, uses a machete but that's the politics of rage you mm-hmm. saw it you know we saw it we played that nebraska state center who did the same thing i'm just going to scream i'm going to start soft get louder louder scream yeah we and and it's uh I think Turley used the word amplification. He added yeah. that to rage. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a certain that that the arguing on the left is not about attempting to convince you by going point by point while they're right. It's simply amplification and rage. Yeah, and you you it, you it, scream. That's the intimidation. You yeah. scream, and that's really because you see it in the liberal transgender activist movement, mm-hmm. uh, especially. And you see it from other liberals, and you see it especially on college campuses. Right. Right. And that can't cut it long term. Here's the thing. on You know, I worried a lot more during the summer of 2020 when so many corporations were just, and you know, by the way, did you see the uh, fiscal numbers came out for Black Lives Matter? Mm. Oh, we'll get to that. Not doing well at all. Yeah, surprise. Hemorrhaging money, mm-hmm. donations down 88%. They were they were a con job for everybody everybody who bought it, everybody on the left who bought it. Yep. And even everybody a lot of independents who bought mm-hmm. the lies of Black Lives Matter. Right. And uh so, you know, the reality is now hitting, but I think America realizes, my god. You know, we were just BS left and right and I they were so fearful and finally, I think when you've had people standing up, and I think um, Rally Gaines, you know, is one of them who is, mm-hmm. and slowly bringing along other people that are saying this is a load of, you know, horse manure. Yeah, right. and that's what it is. Right. And the critical and critical race theory is a load of horse manure. Yep. And you can't, you can't soft sell it. There is no. My dad used to tell me a long time ago, as conservative as he was, he would say, 
you know, there are some things, you know, you look at Republicans, but Democrats come up with some good things. About 10 years ago, I told him, Dad, Democrats are coming up with no good things. When I tell him now what's going on, and he doesn't pay attention to the news as much anymore, Mm -hmm. he's absolutely shocked. Really? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. They're saying biological males can be biological females because the biological female or the biological male says so. I go, yeah. My dad was, um, you know, always willing to listen. You know, as a seasoned investigator, you kind of have to look at everything. And then I don't know how long it was ago where he just started asking me, what is going on? What is wrong with them? What is wrong with people that they're going to this extent over and over again? And that's basically where our conversation starts every time I visit with him. And, well, you know, it's and, and that's it. We'll continue on this point. Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. That's right on radio. He's Eric Crowley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, when we, I was thinking about this when we were talking about colleges and that New York City college professor and uh, how incredibly, insanely liberal so many of these college systems have become. Mm. And we talked about this the other day. Is a downfall of the modern college system going to be because of AI? I, I think that's a really good question because I thought about that more yesterday during the day after we talked about it on yesterday's show. We're just kind of floating the idea of what a lot of people are talking about right now, and that is what is the future of AI? What does it mean? Um, you know, what roles will will humans be in in the marketplace, in the, in the job thing? And education really I think is going to change. I believe there's no way it won't change drastically. I just don't know how fast. I I tend to believe it will be faster than than the changes we have seen historically because the fact that AI is advancing so quickly or it's becoming more available uh, quicker to, to people in terms of what people can utilize on, in, in their daily lives and apply that daily so then the demand for an education changes uh and i i don't know what that looks like i really don't and and i say this because one the one thing that comes with ai is a focus on uh productivity yeah efficiency and productivity like we've never seen before Mm mm-hmm because we haven't, well, I won't say that. Uh, we have seen it. We have seen it, for example, uh, uh, in um, mass production. Mm-hmm. Mass production created, you know, an efficiency and productivity yeah, yeah. that we didn't see before in actually producing, for example, automobiles to make them available. Yeah, and so yeah. that that was, um, we'll continue this uh, coming up here, but just a couple of points on what happens to colleges overall with Mm -hmm. AI. Mm -hmm. Coming up.
on your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, so when we, we talk about you know, where colleges are going. And this is all part due to the, you know, we had talked earlier about the commencement speeches. Vast majority are uh, liberal. Um, what was the other figure that was out there that they were talking about? Uh, oh, then that, uh, you know, 80, 86 out of 100 that they surveyed were having segregated uh, graduations. And yesterday we started talking about how AI will affect industry, but how will it affect education? And we just started talking about the fact that AI is going to bring in probably since uh, mass production, probably one of the greatest increases in productivity and efficiency, which means that will be the mindset of people running the corporations. Correct? Yeah, sure. I mean, my, my, I, would, I don't think I'm wrong on that, that if you're talking about, all right, we're adding AI because now we're about in efficiency and productivity. You look at DEI in companies today. And you see what's happening in Target, mm-hmm. you know the whole Target thing. This thing's going to boom. This is a going to be a. This thing's going to boomerang back again because they had these, uh, you know, they had these displays, you know, out front, and now they're moving them in back. So you've got the liberal transgender activist movement now believing that's part of the caving that's going on. So just like Bud Light, you can't win this, right? So you've got, you've got. Right now, major corporations wondering whether they all made a mistake with the whole DEI thing mm-hmm. that's going on here. Because what is it doing? It's costing them money, and it's not increasing anything in their bottom line. It's the same thing with uh, ESG yeah. and investments. Right. Yes. Yeah. And the the same thing. It was cool for a while <clears throat> until it starts dragging down the bottom line. Well, it and, sounds all noble, at the beginning, then you start implementing it, and on the ESG thing, investors, major investors said, if that's where you're going, we're out. We're out. Yep. And and so it was great to begin with, but then the, the, the flaws become apparent. Yeah. It isn't increasing productivity and efficiency, so it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so when will it be gone? So then you, then you go and you look at, you know, what is the feeder system for so much of the white-collar jobs out there that would be... That would be a college degree. Yeah. Now, in business degrees, I don't know how they will be affected. But when you start talking about, you know, gender studies degrees, for the most part, they're useless to begin with, even mm-hmm. even when DEI and, and uh, you know, ESG have been at their prime the last couple of years. It was like, okay, this is a cool thing to do. That's gone. Yeah. And yeah. you look at already, what is it, what did we look at the other day? Was it 10 or 12% the college enrollment's down? Yeah. And that's the great correction. People saying, all right, the return on the investment is not there. Basically, let's put it this way. Everything goes back to economics. <laughs> yeah, well, it does. <laughs> and economics is incentive and disincentive. Mm. Or as somebody uh, wrote one time, it's the same thing, incentive. If there's if there's a disincentive, it's just less incentive. <laughs> and I went, yeah, right. Okay, but everything in economics is based on incentive, and people do what is for their best self interest, 
or what they think is for their best self-interest. Then they learn at times, well, that wasn't in for my best self-interest. Then they go searching for what's for their best self-interest. Mm-hmm. And that is just undeniable in economics. I mean, that's just how it, it's yeah. how it's yeah. how humans are set up. Right. So what happens to colleges? Everyone knows, the vast majority of people, you don't think that the vast majority of people at those college campuses don't know that the segregated uh, graduations are wrong? They know they're wrong. People aren't stupid. They understand what the whole civil rights movement was about. People understand what Martin Luther King was talking about. Everybody coming together. Judging people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. They know it's wrong. But on the college campuses, the like the New York City professor out there, you know, they are so intimidated, these young people, by these college professors, by the insti- the uh I guess you could say the systemic and institutionalized racism, misogyny and sexism that exists on college campuses today with uh, CRT and the liberal transgender activist movement, it's got to end. Yeah. It's like we talk about when is the Democratic Party going to have, when, when are they going to have to change? When they start failing and losing elections. Right now, why are, they, why are the Democrats winning elections? Because people are letting them get away with their agenda. People are getting with their agenda, and 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 the Republicans are not putting up the right candidates. Yeah, that that's which is where we right. started the show. Uh, we have a GOP uh, that has relatively few that actually want to fight. Yep, and the others the others that want to fight are fighting the wrong things. Right. Yeah, and and so and and you can throw abortion in there, but if you explain abortion right, you can win. Sure. You can win in states. If, if because the majority of people don't agree with the left on it. Mm-hmm. Everything is about, and this is, we used to get flack about this all the time. We don't as much anymore. Right. But we were right on it. Yep. Communicating your message effectively is key in everything in life. Everything. Yep. We see it all the time. You know, you're at, at, at work. Management versus employees, middle management versus, you know, what top management wants, what middle management actually tells the employee and the employee feels that there is no communication between somehow there's a disconnect because what upper management says they want the employees to be doing is not what middle management is telling the employees. Well, that's a lack of effective communication through that flow chart of management. You're not effectively communicating. Everything is about communicating a message effectively. With and, and that, w- with that <clears throat> conviction behind you, you're combining that fight, that conviction, with right. the actual content of the message. That's right. how you can become effective. And that we've had this discussion today on, on politics right now, and based on an article we read earlier that said, "Look, it's you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, Trump or DeSantis." And it's about winning. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that's where the Republicans are right now or where they will be. That all the other candidates, you know, whether it's Tim Scott, you know, they like him a lot. But what is he running on? I'm positive and we love America. Well, that's a given. Yeah. yeah. That's a given right now. We've got serious challenges. You have you have a unique situation in politics right now in the United States. Probably around the world you have it. And that's 
where liberalism has said we're caring and we wish to save the planet and we care more than everybody else, all of their plans that were abstract, okay, let's try it because I care more, they care more, we're saving the planet, we're doing this, is now running up against those abstract concepts are now running up against reality. Mm -hmm. And reality is saying it doesn't work across the board on every single issue out there to the point now where people realize and i told you i had the conversation over the weekend with two a couple of young very you know very young people in their 20s that i you know i went okay wonder how they think and you know and you you notice things and it's like okay you have a a lot of uh, a lot of metal in your face and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, quite a few tattoos they knew everything that was going on disagreed with everything that was going on, Mm -hmm. didn't agree with the transgender activist movement, knew that energy couldn't be provided through wind and solar. Like, okay, they know, everybody knows. You can figure this stuff out. Right. And there's eventually going to be a backlash when people aren't afraid anymore to confront the intimidation of liberalism that has been institutionalized. And that's the thing. When liberalism is institutionalized inside of of a government or a law enforcement agency, that's dangerous when it's institutionalized inside of a uh, a, a police department. It's dangerous mm. when we talk about critical race theory, which is just an offshoot of identity politics. There may have been different authors of it, but it's the same thing. We judge people by groups and not individuals. Right. That's eventually going to fall apart because people don't buy into it, but that's racism. You're not judging anybody as an individual. Eventually, that's going to fall apart, but... When you have that in, uh, when that is a mainstay of the Democratic Party, it isn't, you know, it isn't just the squad that believes that. The mainstream of the Democratic Party all voted for the fact that a biological male can be a biological female if the biological male says so. They all support judging people by groups and not individuals. They have recognized, part of the Democratic Party has recognized, even though they've been intimidated to shut up, they recognize the problem with identity politics and judging people by groups and not individuals. So these are all things that are in the colleges today which have nothing to do with what AI will be demanding of industry and business, which is more efficiency and productivity. It's the opposite of that. And that's why, again, I don't know where it's going to end, but I know I know what's in the equation. Mm. And I know that AI is about is, is going to be I, I probably since mass production came in. Now, the, the, here's the other difference, too. Mass production actually took away a lot of the people that were craftsmen and made them assembly line workers. Yeah. Which means they weren't as technically advanced now there were more of those jobs so more people could come off the farms and and into these jobs and work these jobs and move up but ai is doing the opposite ai is taking away from those assembly you know a lot of the assembly line worker jobs and creating what very highly educated worker jobs And so when they talk about the jobs are going to be replaced, yeah, but most of the time, well, all of the time we've seen it, that technology has actually increased the total number of jobs. Where those jobs will be, I don't know yet because I don't know how, 
I don't know how entwined AI will actually get into business uh, and, and industry. And, you know, there's some projections out there from the futurists, but, you know, who knows if they're good, if, if how correct they are in their uh, predictions. But we do know why we're moving towards AI, and it's only one thing, productivity and efficiency. Right. And so that's not what colleges are providing. Well, so there are departments in colleges, engineering schools, things like that, that are. But well, I even wonder about the trade schools, you know, um, even, you know, outside of engineering. I I wonder about the trade schools as well. Because AI will also change how we do those jobs that are learned in those trade schools. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is, is that in those there you're still going to have a uh a much greater need for that human presence on that job in that type of application but i do believe you know i said it yesterday the learning curve is going to be pretty steep because it's going to happen quickly because of the way that ai works you basically have taken like with chat gpt what that is, is use Google, round up that information, and then make it do this. And at the moment, it seems like a David Blaine magic trick. But if you think about what it's actually doing, it's applying something based on a directive that you gave it. Now, the good news is it requires that directive. It requires that human input. Now, that can be then used as a tool in whichever way. Mm -hmm. But in learning something in the educational process, look how much time is wasted. You often see it with students that that want to excel. They'll they'll they want to go you know above and beyond. They want to you know kind of get through the process because they realize. Yeah, I don't want to sit here. I don't, that's, it's not going to be my college experience. I want to get my education and then I want to go out and live my life. I'm not looking for the college campus experience or whatever it is. No. I, I want to get it and I want to go use it. And I think that is what will change more and more. I think it was already changing, but I think with AI, it's going to accelerate. I'm amazed the number of people that are taking college courses online right now. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 and all the schools now. By the way, it used to be that an online course or degree was not accepted in the marketplace. It is now. It is widely accepted now. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We'll get more talking about uh, uh, AI and everything, and uh, not just industry, but more off, more, I think, uh, talking about what will happen to the college experience and what will happen to these major colleges that are so liberal but really aren't teaching anything about productivity 
and efficiency when that's all AI is about. Yeah. Coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He is Eric Harley. Hello. Got into a discussion on AI and uh, the the uh, effects on uh, industry, but we did that yesterday, but more of the effects on education. And uh, just, I mean, immediately we've already gotten responses where people are talking about AI and this is something that you've heard over, especially over the last couple of weeks, because mm. really the discussion of AI has only been what about a month old. Yeah, right. with the whole Chat uh, GPT, uh, yeah, you know, website out there and app and everything else that you can check out, and so I've already got feedback and us just talking about it the last half hour. Or so, well, you know, it's going to be make it easier to perpetuate lies. I don't know if we'll make it easier. I mean, perpetuating lies. I mean, is. Um, <laughs> Uh, you you know you feed it into the system and it's a lie, but still, you know you can go on you you can go through all the major media, go through all the major media, go through all the networks. There are lies that are told every single day. We still know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So whether a lie exists in AI or not, we'll still know whether it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be AI won't make it now. You can brainwash people, but human beings are doing that right now. Human beings and are brainwashing young kids in college all the time. We're talking about specifically, to stick on this topic, AI in the use in industry. Right. And you, also how it will right. change the educational process. Right. Well, right. In industry and how that will change the educational process. Mm-hmm. And as we said, it, will it be something that will, will hurt liberalism in the colleges because – the colleges can only exist, and these major institutions can only exist if you have students willing to pay a very high tuition to get in. Right. And we know that in many colleges, enrollment is is down over the last couple of years. I think it's 10% or over, like 10 or 12%, mm. which is huge when you think about it. Mm-hmm, we did that story mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. We understand that AI can be used for nefarious purposes. Yeah. And to pr- promote a, a lie. In fact, ChatGPT, people have already gone in it and said, well, that's not true. Right. That's not true. Well, because that- it gathers information whether it's accurate or not. You're right. Uh, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't right. recognize uh, what is accurate, what is true, what right. is not. It just gathers something based on a directive and those keywords used in that directive. That's basically all that does. Right. So the purpose in business and industry... Uh, for the most part, <laughs> mm. there's always the exception. Yeah. <laughs> How will ESG funds use use uh, use it? But it's still not going to change it. It, it uh, AI is not 
Nothing changes economics. Mm -hmm. But in business and industry, AI, why, why is the interest in AI there? Productivity and efficiency. That's it. Yep. We can make more money with fewer human beings, but the jobs that will be created because of AI will take a lot more education. Yeah. So are the colleges, and there are great engineering schools, but there's going to be a lot more of these jobs if AI actually replaces the number of jobs, which means the the uh, AI systems you're going to need, which are both software, hardware, and actually machines. I saw one the other day that can rotate tires. Yeah. yeah they, can ro- they can rotate tires off a vehicle. Right, yeah. But when I go in because of the computer systems in the vehicles today, uh, I go in and uh, went to the dealership last week. It's loaded with techs. Oh, yeah. Are all those techs going to go away? Nope. No. In fact, uh, it will just change their educational process. Right. um, And they'll have, like they do now, more more tools, more things to deal with. And for us, that the consumers of the product, uh, vehicles and, and whatever, it's going to mean more headaches <laughs> but it will or not i mean different types of headaches maybe fewer headaches and and they're just different in nature people will tell you and we say it uh, occasionally well man the cars today and as a i don't know novice shade tree i wouldn't even call myself a full-on shade tree kind of guy uh in terms of mechanics i wouldn't even start to try and do my own maintenance on on things you know in in cars that deal with the computer system and everything else you know so those are the things that will you know those are the things that will and had already begun to change what we're seeing here again is the acceleration of that and and when you know you start talking about you know ai that can that can learn it's like okay but can it learn in practical purposes and i don't know the answer to that hmm. we were told that you know the uh, that uh, automation in cars was going to be by this time a lot more successful than it's actually been mm-hmm. yeah because there's so many variables that exist that the human mind can instantly process you know i i, I look this is one thing that i've always thought of and this is the one example and if 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 uh I don't know if most people can relate to it, but this is the one thing that I related to in one thing in my life. And I started thinking, well, can technology actually get to this this particular point or are there just too many variables? And and to create a system like that, you know, how many in, how many instances that humans can relate to instantaneously can a machine? And this is the example that I that I give. I played basketball my whole life. And what I noticed is that when I played outside, and I played outside so much, that you actually have the ability, when you go up to shoot a shot, Eric, because there's wind, you actually can figure that out in your mind. Yeah. It takes a while, but once you do it, you know, you can be in the air. So Mm -hmm. there you are in the air with the ball in your hand. You're maybe, you know, jumping, moving to the side in that second 
the wind is blowing. Now, you can't calculate. I, I'm not calculating in my mind that that wind is 7 miles an hour, 8 miles an hour. But yet your body accommodates it. My body accommodates it, and you actually go up, and you you just go, okay, I put it over there, and it goes in. Now, you've got to be a pretty good basketball player to make the shot to begin with, being in the air and maybe moving a little bit you know, as you're in the air to the left or right. But the fact is you add another variable to it, the wind speed, and you're like, okay, and you actually put it up, and now it doesn't go in every time. Mm-hmm. But you can get to it where you become extremely accurate. And I've always, that thought always went through my head instead of saying, in, instead of sitting there and, and uh, trash-talking everybody else, <laughs> I, I go back down. I, I went, but this is a few years back because mm-hmm. I can't play ball anymore. just mm-hmm. my knees and Everything else can't take it. Mm-hmm. But I'd be going down instead of thinking, you know, trash talking. <laughs> I'd be going, wow, now how did my body do that? I mean, yeah, can right. a computer do that? Or can artificial intelligence in the future do that? And those are just some of the questions. And when you see the, the, the problems they've had with the, uh, the, you know, the autonomous cars, you know, that's when you say, okay, are there so many variables that it can't figure it out because every corner is different? Yeah, every intersection is different. If every intersection was exactly the same, yeah, but it's not. Which is why, like with uh, with Tesla, uh, what it's doing it's it's actually remapping as more and more cars, their mm-hmm. cars, travel the highways, travel the roads. They they upload that information. It it becomes part of that that database. But the question is, and I would. I would. It's funny because you were talking about like, okay, you're you're not sitting there actually doing the math on the wind, uh, but you're you're going to accommodate it. You're going to uh, change what you're doing because your body is measuring it, and and your your mind actually is measuring it, and then your body responds to that. Right. The car responds, let's say, to an object in the road. Or a human in the road, right? Uh, on newer technology, what it doesn't do, it doesn't respond with instinct. That if you're a human paying attention, that, and I find myself surprising myself how lightning fast I can be in <laughs> when it's not even a, a, a potentially deadly situation, and my reflex just kicks in. The reflex is built on an instinct, and that instinct in that case, a potentially deadly situation, is that preservation of that that life. The last thing you want to do is run over somebody that is on the road. And so your body responds in a different way with a different incentive, and I'm not saying it's computing faster than a, than the system on the car but your body is responding getting to the ultimate point of braking in lightning speed and and for a different reason now i have no idea what that that type of technology looks like 20 years from now but i do know that with experience with that technology so far it seems to be lagging in that mm-hmm. it's the calculation is is measured. It's it is a measured. It sees something, and then there's going to always be the same amount of time 
that it responds because that's how the system in the car works. Your brain works differently, and those are the different human things you can't replace. And and so when you and, and so it's interesting to talk all about this. But when it comes to colleges, for example, are, are companies going to be? You know, for example, we have a society now that is much more comfortable now in front of the computer actually learning. Mm-hmm. I said I can't believe the number of people I know that are taking online courses. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to be an engineer, I think, and to be somebody good at a lot of technical things more than just sitting in front of a computer. You need hands-on. I I just I see in the future, especially these major corporations that are dealing with AI. I see I see internships all over the place cooperating with certain educational institutions where you learn a basis and then you start an internship and the internship is, you know, I don't know how you would do it and how you would, you know, uh, you know, pay for it and whether you partly pay for it as an individual or whether because it's a it could be a it could be a private, private, private school, private industry. Mm -hmm. And and but I can see internships of major corporations with, you know, institutions that initially get you doing it, you know, online with the courses. And then the hands-on is actually in a real world situation, which takes out the, 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 uh, takes out in in essence, the, 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 the middleman of, uh, you know, of, uh, maybe building something in college, you go straight to the real world. Yeah. Right. Where the internship yeah. is based on the real world, uh, because you're going to need a heck of a lot of technical people if AI is as dominant as they say it's going to be. Well, it, because it, and, oh, in, oh, in oh, business, time has a, a, a greater value than in the educational process. But but up until now, what there has been is that when an employer looks at a potential employee as they apply, they look and say, OK. You, you got a four-year degree. You stayed with it for four years. Not measuring the many inefficiencies of that four-year, within that four-year time frame. Right. What they're looking at is discipline, right? Right. You kept at it for four years. Now, the degree also sometimes, not always, the, what you majored in matters. But the big thing is... You did it for four years. You stuck with it for four years. That's going to change. I think it again is already changing. Well, wait a minute. That what I need is somebody who respects the uh, greater efficiencies in the workplace in any business model. You need greater efficiencies, it, and you need greater productivity from everybody well, in the game. Has the brainwashing of of the wokeness of college wiped away the argument, well, you need the full educational experience of other topics and other curricula. Oh, yeah. If, oh, if, yeah. if it's not part of, I if, think there, if it's there not part of a major. Are, I think has, there are, yeah. has it Has it basically made that argument moot for a lot of companies that now go, no, we... You know, you you uh, you got that in high school. You can do things on your own. Right. But here's what we want you for. And if you do this, do this. We can get you through at a very cheap price and start paying you to do it. I just see that if everything in AI and business and industry is about efficiency and productivity, then why doesn't the educational system to get you into those jobs 
also reflect that reflect yeah. Yeah. that same right. productivity and efficiency. Right. I think it will. I think I think at some point it will. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Friday Radio. Uh, he is uh, Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Quickly to Stan in Michigan. Stan, you're on Red Eye Radio as we talk a little bit about AI and education. Welcome. Okay, good morning. And if I'm talking too loud, I'm, I'm talking off my Bluetooth, so okay. Okay. just tell me to calm down. Uh, okay, regardless, um, all, all the stuff you've been ta- all the stuff you've been talking about. Yeah, directionally, you're cor- you're correct. The problem is uh, this AI, in its ultimate sense, is really just, I'm going to call it a machine, which is going to be able to predict the future, self, take, or take care of itself and everything else, and have no need for anything else. In other words, um, it will be able, to, it, it, supposedly it should be able to teach itself it should be able to repair itself, everything else. Now, what I've got, like I told your uh, the uh, person, the uh, that's an impossible situation because math cannot predict the future. You cannot predict the future. the The math itself shows you cannot. You need data. You you need to know the result in order to interpret what the heck happened so that you can correct and then move forward and um that is and and bottom line is is we're giving way too much credit for ai right now oh i would agree no i we i think gary and i both agree on that yeah i mentioned it uh a, a few days ago yeah yeah, I would agree. And um, and yeah. like, for Thanks, example, if, yeah, if you're if you're saying that all that AI 
uh, any time within the next million years can fully repair itself. No. That, and without any workers, and all workers will be replaced. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. no. Uh, that's that's not going to happen. No. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Um, you know, I the I think the the last caller brought up some some great points, and and that's uh, you know the uh, there's always the next Nirvana coming, isn't there? Right. Uh, you yeah, know, with yeah. and when we talk about uh, AI, you know, it's a you yeah. know we're there will be no workers, and yeah, it will re- it will replace uh, workers. How quickly, you know, in how quickly, it all depends on on what is the practical use. You know, we hear, for example, a lot in uh, in business, it could replace uh, two thirds of white collar workers. Well, what kind specifically? What is the AI system that you're setting up specifically? The other thing is when you you know talk about no workers and it can self-repair so workers won't be necessary. That's impossible in every human. If we're in, talking about mechanics, yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. In, 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 and well, even even in software or even in, you know, in, in hardware, everything breaks. Yeah, yeah. Everything. There and in the any, hardware, it would be the same as, as mechanics. On software, yeah, yeah, right. you're right. It, it's, <clears throat> it, there will be adjustments that are made. We made the observation with the you know, the Google layoffs. And we said, look, you guys were building a system of, if you think about it, Google is AI. Mm-hmm. You know, you can log on, you, you you Google something, you get the answer right there from millions of sources. And we said, you know, there had to have been with some, this knowing that with what we're doing, at some point, it won't require as many humans to do this part of it, which a lot of that is at at the beginning was data input. Now yeah, yeah. it's data gathering from AI. AI goes out and gathers that data because it's available on the web. It, it's stuff that that it can gather from multiple sources, and you, you, you Google. Hunter Biden, you know, and you're going to get, you know, Saint. all this. Yes, exactly. He's you're going to get Saint. all of the. Uh, uh, it, 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 by the way, the um, uh, U-Haul that uh, ran into the barricade outside the White House. No, that was not Hunter trying to move in. Uh, but the whole idea of this, you know, is that you've got a lot of it. It, it required at some point all those humans to build those sources, you know, all the stories on Hunter, you know, it required dozens of people at the New York post and nowhere else. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) 
Some, but, <laughs> sometimes AI yeah. doesn't have to search right. for a million different sources. Well, and, sometimes and it's the just the New York Post. The computers <laughs> won't fix themselves something else that Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden knows exactly. <laughs> very well. We still have a long way to go. This conversation went south quickly, didn't it? <laughs> but the, the whole and, and that doesn't mean though that the that the uh, computer fixer has it easy because uh, the computer fixer also faces you des- challenges. Look, you decide, you say to your lovely wife, honey, I got a great idea. I want to open a computer repair shop, just a small one, <laughs> just a little one. Out of the, I want to get out of I, the rat race. I don't want to be, I don't want to be at this huge now corporate <laughs> conglomerate. Uh, I actually have a longtime friend, childhood friend that worked for Dell for years and now works for a very small company and kind of the same thing. They moved out in the country and, you know, and yeah, honey, I'll just open this little repair store. Nobody, ah, look, I can, and when I lock the door and go home at night, no worries, right? I just go back, show up in the morning and, and, and then repair some more computers. I don't, I don't have to. Worry about all the, oh my gosh! And what was it? What I was, don't have to worry did, about what's going on in the world. Yeah, I just fix these little computers. And what, <laughs> uh, what did she title the article? Uh, the the uh, the computer from hell. What, what what was it? Laptop from hell. Laptop from hell. Miranda Devine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, with all the great work, uh, the aforementioned people at the New York Post that are doing the work. And but it's going to it is going to require that human input. The roles will change, but they've been changing for a long time. I think it will change at an accelerated rate. And what we saw after COVID was this whole mismatch thing, right? When companies decided, well, my gosh, um, we don't have to, uh, you know, uh, fly everybody to a meeting now. We can or or have everybody, uh, you know, come over from the other office to have a meeting. We can get on Zoom and everything else. And so it changed a lot of things, but it also changed the the what the marketplace uh has a demand for certain jobs were like okay gone and they they're not coming back right and those roles in the marketplace are are gone so there's this mismatch that's been happening somebody did that for 30 years now what do you do i don't have the training experience and you got to start all over i think there's going to be that kind of effect the mismatch effect here as Certain roles will will shift over here. You're not going to need as many people. I think with the white collar thing, that's you know, it is safe to say that a, a number of those jobs are going to go away. It won't require as many humans to do the same thing when you have greater tools, but it will require humans to do other things, and that's where. You know, there's going to be well, and, a shift. and that's why when you just when you just explain it the way you did there, why when we're you know because this started out because every it's this isn't just a general discussion on AI. Right. This was uh, specifically when we're talking about uh, uh, you know the uh, we we got in just talking about wokeness and everything else and mm-hmm. where the colleges have uh, gone and we started on that that New York City professor that flipped out, yeah. and, but we just said how long can colleges continue? To go the way that they're 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 going, they're losing enrollment. Mm-hmm. We know that they're losing enrollment. They are they are losing prestige in industry and business. Yeah. Where now industry and business looks at it. For example, if you go to an Ivy League university and you come out 
and it you've got your pronouns out there. There's been a number of stories written. That's a negative. They don't want to deal yeah. with the baggage. Right. So college is not about preparing you. It's all you know, preparing you, and this is how a lot of companies are looking at it. That it's not just preparing you to make a company more productive. Companies are now looking and what you take, and if you're brainwashing from college of the liberal wokeness exists there, they view that as as a as a baseball bat in the middle of the spokes of the turning wheel. Mm-hmm. And so college also now, for many industries, contains baggage, which, as you said there, because, you know, there there are with uh, with AI, there's going to be people are going to be, you know, losing their jobs and they're going to need, you know, the training. And so what would the training be like? Will the training be at traditional colleges or will this training uh, be the fact that you will be able to do it online at home and then many of these companies that are dealing in AI needing a huge number of technical people because remember when we had when we had uh, uh, you know mass production mm. you know mass production because we were able to mass produce uh, much quicker you know yeah. that really increased efficiency and productivity and by the way just for those listening, we're talking about AI in business and industry and why it's there, not AI and how it will be used in politics or by, you know, by by Google or perpetuating lies. We're talking about how business and industry view it, which is we can increase efficiency and productivity. Our labor costs will be down. Right. But it means that you will have a lot of people replaced. Uh, mass production actually is what m- really made it able to move from an agricultural to a uh, you know to a um, uh, a, uh, a a industrial society, mm-hmm. which now we've moved from an industrial society to an information society. Mm-hmm. As we've made, we're making that transition. We're never going to fully give up any of those. And manufacturing probably will always have a, I, I believe, a greater uh, workforce for agriculture that's really been able to uh, automate, you know, to incredible numbers. Which is, you know, when you think about it, what was it? Probably ninety percent of people were right yeah. farmers back two hundred years ago. Yeah, and, and one now of the it's things. What it, is it now? Two percent, maybe. What one of the things too is is in that era, you had the benefit, and you know, some will say, "Well, that's child labor." Yeah, but you had the benefit of kids in the family working on the farm. And if you know anything about farming and and families that farm, it still exists. But back then, when the economy was that, was uh, leaned greater on agriculture, you had the, the workforce was, you know, was that. Now, and everybody was, you know, part of that process and making that run from, 4 a.m. to the sun goes down. And now you have the shift of, all right, uh, what does it require? And and where are we now? We talk about the very low birth rate where we are, right? And what's going to happen ultimately with, um, you know, the economy going forward? What would it require to expand the economy? How many jobs? I do believe that and I don't think it will happen. The AI thing will happen 
this fast. But there will be some uh, that absorption of some of those jobs where we won't require, again, as many people to expand that economy in certain key roles. But once that is once that uh, changes, once we adapt in that way or the it it um, it it changes uh, in terms of what the roles are for humans. Then there is a new expansion of the economy that you look at. Right. Okay, what do right. we what do we do from there? And then that's where we are adapting to new roles. That's where well, you know and, we but, change. But that's where can colleges can colleges in their in the state they're in right now, which is a state of brainwashing and wokeness in so many of these colleges, can they adapt quick enough to what the marketplace is going to want or? Is that going to be, and this is what we were talking about, is it going to be mostly online learning? And then if it's an online college or even a public college where you learn online and then you're not taking all these other courses, you know, because the baggage industry looks like the baggage of all the other stuff is too great. We just want somebody who can make us more productive and efficient, not a baseball bat in the spoke of the wheel turning. And then the internships is what you find with major companies, you know, education you know uh, on you know uh, you know on the computer at home and then internship or right there mm-hmm. the colleges or the training centers are right there or there are organizations that are set up there were when there was a machinist shortage there were there actually was pseudo government agencies that set up machining schools yeah and and then yeah. they then then these people learned to be machinists and then were, you know, farmed out to different companies, mm-hmm. but they were trained where they could be a machinist from day one. Right. And it was right. a partnership that was done, and there were grants that companies actually gave. Is that the way that we're going here? Because my point is when AI in business and industry is supposed to bring a great deal of efficiency and productivity, and that's what the companies are thinking, that everything's productivity, productivity and efficiency more than ever, more yeah. than since mass production, if – it has this effect. Then they look at colleges and say, there's too much baggage in colleges today from students coming out. Yeah. And and I would say that and the fact that so many of those individuals, those young individuals are going to look and say, wait a minute, if I adapt to this as an individual, that's the competitive you know, mm-hmm. spirit, really. You know, if I adapt to this and I have that mindset going in and I can demonstrate that to a potential employer or even as an entrepreneur, then I excel. Right. And then you move away from the demand for that that type of education and more to the all right, how quickly can I adapt to this technology yeah. and then use it as a tool but it's going to be it, it, we're talking tech, technological jobs mm-hmm. and engineering jobs is what we're talking about. 86690 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McMurray. We got into a fun conversation uh, this hour about uh, just uh, AI. And uh, it all started not just because AI has been a huge topic, but also how it would affect industry. But we got to the point of how it will affect college. 
because if yeah. AI is all about productivity and uh, efficiency, and colleges are not anymore. Yeah, I mean, engineering schools may be, but the rest of it's not, and companies don't care whether you get the complete experience now of a college education because they look at it and go, no, college, now you're paying for a lot of baggage. But yeah. as you brought up during the break, you said the individual students, too, that pay a lot of money to go to these colleges, and they may not want to be part of this group mindset, the group think. It'll bring about individualism more and more, I yeah. believe, because they're going to want to take that you know, skill uh, along with the tool of AI and then prove that in the marketplace to employers or to customers as an entrepreneur. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.